We live inside a dream. That's a hell of a way to kill a tick. Hello, and welcome to Stan and Dave Need Wedding Dates uh, with your two favorite wimps who like Kubrick and Lynch. My name is Eric Keppel. And my name is Jeremy Schmidt, and it's beginning to look a lot like summer. (laughs) (laughs) Eric, it is like 85 degrees right now in Los Angeles. Uh, God damn. Hot as hell. Actually, I'm, I'm literally, I'm sitting here in shorts and a Hawaiian t-shirt and, ch- and get this. That's, oh, that's baby. right. A Golden Road Mango Cart Cerveza. Mango flavored beer, Eric. I'm, I'm drinking it. I'm, it's like I'm go. on vacation right now. You know, I have a beverage. I have a beverage ready as well, but I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to bust it out until our bonus episode, Jeremy. That's a little incentive for our listeners. If you want to hear what I sound like under the influence of uh, hat, one half to one full drink, uh, tune into the Patreon, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. We're talking Tales from the Crypt episodes. We're talking, uh, we, we just started La La Land where uh, we- Lie, Lie Land. Lila Land you, you already, got the, La already La got the Land. name wrong. God. It's called Lila Land, and it's uh, going to be an ongoing thing where we talk about Hollywood's conspiracy theories whenever I have time to research them. And uh, this is, of course, our uh, Stanley Kubrick and David Lynch podcast, and we're diving back into Twin Peaks in yes. season two. It's so like coming believe- home. It's like coming home after a, a long, uh, a long vacation. Yeah, it's like coming to home to your fucked up home yeah. where uh, everyone's cheating on each other. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's hooking up with one another. Yeah, uh, you know how it goes, I, Eric. I also decided that from now on, we're no longer a, a David Lynch, Stanley Kubrick, or Tales from the Crypt podcast. We are actually a Miguel Ferreira podcast. Oh yeah, uh, where we uh, only watch uh, shows and and movies where uh, Miguel Ferreira is in. Yes, we will. That's a little a little teaser if you're not a part of the Patreon, which, by the way, I think we forgot. We have a new patron. His name's Brian. I can't remember if we gave you a shout-out, but... We can always we give him another shout-out. <laughs> Enjoy the other shout-out, my friend. Like, and, uh, we could literally give everyone on our Patreon a shout-out right now, and it would take us half a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know what? All right, Dad wears glasses, Brian Drew. You're all, thank you guys. We covered it, we covered it. And thank you so much for supporting the show. Like we really, we it, it's a it's a group that's small but mighty. We really appreciate uh, not just the donations, but like, uh, you, you know, like uh, helping us create that extra content. We get a lot of suggestions from those fellas and, and uh, hopefully more people who show up to the party too. will get, we, you know, uh, we want to make it a little bit of, more of an interactive experience, that Patreon exclusive uh, sh- uh, part of our show. Exactly, Jeremy. Uh, so I don't want to waste too much time up top because we uh, but basically what we're doing is we're, we, we kind of got in a groove with doing three episodes per episode of our podcast when we did season one, uh, which if you're just tuning in, you can listen to all of that. Uh, it's, we just did season one a couple weeks ago, but um, I think we're going to stick to that throughout this season. Mm. Uh, we'll see how it goes. 
So for this episode, we're talking uh, seasons, uh, season two, episode one through three. In other words, uh, episodes eight through ten. Right. I guess if you're going the weird way. Yeah. If you're going. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so Jeremy, what do you say we just dive ass first into this first? I love first that. Episode? By the way, I apologize for any for any dog barking you might hear in the background. <laughs> my my dog is going insane right now. The dogs outside are going insane. I'm probably getting broken into right now, um, but that's okay because the pod must go on. Lily, do you want to stay in here? Okay, she wants to stay in here. Uh, Eric, All before right. we get started, um, I just want to go ahead and like, I, I found like there is actually a Twin Peaks Wikipedia. Do you use that is. to uh, do the plot? I, I'm going to start using that. I discovered that I, I've known about it, but I it just never crossed my mind to use it. Um, but I think we should start using that because it's a little bit more comprehensive. It's more comprehensive, and it also has stuff like the original air date of the show, which was yes. September 30th, 1990, by the way, for episode eight. Oh, yeah. Um, um, yeah. And uh, also, you know, before we, uh, before we jump in, I, I want to say that I think season two, episode one of Twin Peaks is in my, it's, it's in my top five episodes of television of all time. This is this is uh this is oh, probably really? my f- this is definitely my favorite episode of the show we've done so far, and this might be my favorite episode of television, one of my favorite episodes ever. This is front to back, I think, a perfect episode of television. Um, it's rare to say that, like for a season two episode one of a show. Oh yeah, but I think this episode really hits it out of the park, really nails it. I had, took a lot of notes, and so I, I'll uh, regurgitate when I when I feel like highlighting something I, I thought that was outstanding in this episode. I'll, I'll shout it out, but um, just know that I'm, I'm absolutely obsessed with this episode. Well, that's great to hear, Jeremy. This is obviously a favorite of mine. These first two episodes are uh, David Lynch episodes. Uh, he comes back to direct these two. I believe we get two more David Lynch episodes, the finale, and then I think episode seven or six are also David Lynch episodes. I will say my take, I love this episode, um, during this rewatch, I kind of realized I, I think, I think episode two, season two is, uh, I think I like a little bit better. Mm. Um, but I love both of these episodes very much. Yeah. Uh, let's see. There's, uh, any interesting, uh, fucking trivia episode one, the most viewed episode of Twin Peaks second season, uh, following a, which, a steep decline, a sharp drop. Yeah. Well, it's it's that would make sense to me that this would be the most watched episode because the cliffhanger in season one is so profound. You know, like I feel like everyone was here for uh, everyone. Everyone showed back up for that premiere. Yeah. You know, I I wouldn't be surprised if there were if like a lot of the people that dropped off were like tuned in. And by the way, I think this aired like not. It was definitely like less than a year after, um, what do we got for the air date? September 30th, 1990. So this is like months after season one ended, basically. Really? Um, yeah, I think so, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess the original air date of season of episode seven was May 23rd, 1990. Yeah. So yeah, you're talking like you have the summer, you have a summer break. <laughs> And then, yes. <laughs> and then uh, you go back to school with another season. I guess maybe that's how seasons of television worked. Is it would just be like, you know, I guess yeah, yeah. it would be like it would be like the school season, and then summer off, and then you go back 
after that. Maybe. Yes. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, my, where was I going with this? Uh, fucking, I can't remember, but uh, this is, of course, May the Giant Be With You. <laughs> uh, interesting title. Yeah. Have um, you seen Have got- you seen the SNL sketch that is when Kyle McLaughlin hosted SNL? And it's, I think it's I watched based it on this time. episode. <laughs> yeah, I it, think I watched it a long time the, ago. What's the, it? Remind me of the premise. The premise is it's it's how this episode starts. So it's Agent Cooper lying on the ground, and it's just all these people keep coming into the room to talk to him, and he's just di- yeah. he's just dying the whole time. So it's just like, <laughs> yeah. what if like people never stopped coming in his room? <laughs> yeah. You know, I that's what I was going to say is I got to imagine that like a decent amount of people tapped out like even before this opening <laughs> was was over. Like you and I, I'm sure I'm sure you loved this as much as I did. Yeah. But uh I could see like the the normie uh television watcher in the 1990s like, "Oh, let's tune in to let's see what Twin Peaks is up to in season 2 and then 5 minutes in we're still watching this like old man that kind of reminds you of the Monopoly guy like the Six Flags uh, guy, right? The, the, da- the, the dancing Six Flags, Six Flags guy. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, th- th- um, I don't know. That's to around. me that you are an, you are clinically insane. If that if this opening turned you off, because to me this opening is like it's it's fucking perfect. You do not want to start with a bang. You ended with such a big bang. You want to start like it's almost like making fun of the people who wanted an explosive start to season two. You know, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's great. I mean, I I'm obsessed. But yeah, I mean, you can start you can start going through the plot if you want. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, let's dive into this bad boy. Let's, so, let's go. Yeah, like the what, what what do you see when you first start the episode? <laughs> <laughs> well, we get a longer than normal title sequence, by the way. Yeah, it's kind of like it kind of reminds me of the pilot where we got a, a long one, and but it's different than the pilot. Or am I mistaken in that? I, I think it's I think it's different. Okay. Um, that's yeah, that's what I that's and what I there is a theory that I have uh, that I can't talk about until later about the credits that I've never noticed before. Oh, but awesome. I'm excited. That's a little teaser for you. Uh, so Andy is on the phone in the hotel room where Cooper lies bleeding. A uh, waiter comes in with a glass of milk and asks Cooper how he's doing. Uh, Cooper <laughs> asks the waiter to put the milk on a table and call a doctor. Uh, the senile waiter hangs up on Andy and Cooper thanks him, believing he called the doctor. The waiter has Cooper sign the bill, which includes a gratuity. Uh, he warns Cooper that the milk will get cool. So, yeah, I think we both, <laughs> I think yeah. we both enjoyed this quite a bit. I also think what's so crazy about this old man too is that he like. At some point, he's like, I've heard good things about you. And then he gives Cooper the thumbs up. And then he comes in two more times to tell him that he heard about good things about Agent Cooper and continues to give him the thumbs up. And then he winks at him in the most crazy old man who can barely move his uh, face muscles way. (laughs) Like, he struggles so hard to give Cooper a wink. And he does it two more times it's it is i guess i guess maybe i see your point eric it is like agonizingly long <laughs> how yeah how long the sequence is but it's so fucking funny and it and it feels um like this is a staple of david lynch right like and he does it oh. even a couple more times in in the next couple episodes we'll see like it's like old people being 
just kind of creepy and esoteric and old and, and kind of like saying nonsensical things. Like we see it again with the old lady that um, Donna goes and gives the meal to where it's like, it's like really weird. It's like, it's like he loves it when old people are, uh, I don't know, act kind of acting out of character, I guess. Um, Maybe even like you could point at the old people from Mulholland drive is another example. Like the ones who drop Mm -hmm. off uh, Naomi Watts from the airport, but they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. What Have you noticed that, though, Eric? Like, his obsession with just old people and old faces? Yeah, I think I get what you're, what you're going with, uh, or what you're saying. There's, there's a little bit of that with... Uh, I don't think this is a spoiler, but we get a little bit of that with Harry Dean Stanton in uh, The Return. Oh, great. Which is, which is wonderful. Um, yeah, and this, this, to me, is, like, very interesting, because this moment is kind of like... All of, like, the really, like, weird out there kind of stuff in season one kind of took place in like, like a dream or something. Um, you know what I mean? Where like, this is like a thing that's it's, it's like happening in reality. Mm-hmm. We are to assume, like, I don't think this is a dream. This is a, an actual thing that's happening. Right. What comes next is a dream or a vision, but this is like, well, I don't know. Yeah. Some, Cause later agent, agent, uh, Rosenthal will make fun of the person who works at the, yes, the lodge. So it's like, he makes fun of him for being like a slow old person. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's not a dream. I don't think, uh, Cooper, uh, has a vision of a giant. Uh, the man, this is one of my favorite fucking shots of mm-hmm. the whole, the whole thing. It's so good. Uh, the man says he will tell Cooper three things. Uh, there is a man in, in a smiling bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, the owls are not what they seem. And without chemicals, he points. Mm-hmm. Uh, he asks Cooper to give him the ring, uh, his ring, and says he will return it when Cooper finds these things to be true. Uh, the giant also says Leo uh, locked inside a hungry horse. There's a clue locked inside Leo's house. I love I love the final one, which is not not a confusing riddle at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh yeah. Uh, something. Go to Leo's. Yeah, go to Leo's house. There's something there. All right. See ya. Uh, this. Okay. So I guess you know this giant is very iconic, right? We're. I mean, it's not just iconic to us, right? Like this is like kind of a. What would you call it? Like a a TV trope that was sort of invented here with Twin Peaks. Uh, yeah, I think so. I put it. I put it in the same category as like the the little person in the red room of just like mm-hmm. this is what the show is famous for was like throwing really weird shit at you or telling its narrative in like kind of a backwards sort of bizarre way. Yeah, we see. Um, I th- believe it's the giant dancing with the white horse in The Simpsons. Yes. <laughs> or am I wrong? Or is that Cooper dancing? I think it's Cooper dancing with the horse. Yeah. Twin Peaks, Simpsons. We'll get to the bottom of this. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll hunt down the clue. Well, the the clue is I heard it's locked inside Leo's house. It is the giant. It is the. Giant. It is the giant. Um, yeah. fucking. Uh, so at One Eye Jacks, uh, Ben tries to get in Audrey's closed bed. Uh, Which not knowing it is. <laughs> go ahead. Oh no 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 go go about. Keep going. Not knowing it's Audrey and believing she is playing hard to get, Jerry asks Blackie what room Ben is in. Blackie asks why Ben is holding out on her, and Jerry <laughs> gives her heroin. Which Audrey is... puts on a mask before her father enters her bed, and Jerry calls Ben away. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, um, I thought this, this actually, this event happened way earlier in season one. There's an episode if yes. you go back and listen to our ep- our coverage of like the first season where I'm like, yeah, and then isn't this the part where uh, he tries to fuck <laughs> yeah. his daughter? And you're like, what? <laughs> uh, 
Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it didn't happen for a whole season, but yes, eventually Ben Horn will try to fuck his daughter. And uh, I knew I it's didn't dream this bad. scene. It it definitely happened. Did you kind of feel like at the beginning of season two, characters are acting like a little bit out of character? Like I felt like that scene with Jerry and Blackie. I was like. So I didn't know Blackie yeah. had a drug addiction and Jerry's being like Jerry to me was like a silly character. Now he's like a dark evil character. Yeah. It's it is interesting. Uh I cause I think we kinda like I mean we had we had David Lynch sort of at the beginning of uh, season one and then it kind of Mark Frost and more like T V T V people took over. Um, and I think we maybe got like a little bit of a tone shift back to David Lynch. Um, but yeah, you're right. I did notice that with, with quite a few characters. Uh, Cooper lying on the floor bleeding, uh, calls for Diane. Uh, I guess he had his like voice activation, uh, things, uh, set on his recorder there. Well, didn't he say that like, I, I, my only hope is that I somehow haphazardly hit record on my thing before I (laughs) fell down. So I, so this is not being recorded. We're to assume like this. He's just saying this to no one. Um, he, he had been wearing his bulletproof vest, but had folded it up to get a wood tick being shot. Isn't so bad. As long as you can uh, keep the fear from your mind, he tells Diane, Mm -hmm. uh, his, I wonder if that's like a Dune reference. Uh, his ring is missing from his finger and he lists his ambitions, uh, which include, uh, that includes going to Tibet, which I just love the, the callback to that. Um, this is like another, like really good example of Cooper being incredibly charming and just like, like, the hero of the show is just, we get to hear his, like what his dying words might be. And they're so pure. (laughs) Yes. His little monologue there is, is so great about wanting Tibet to get their country back and the Dalai Lama returning and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's, it's it's really good. Uh, Cooper goes to the hospital. Uh, the wood tick has been found on one of the bullets. Uh, and Cooper says the gunman's face had been masked. Uh, Lucy updates him. <laughs> I thought this was good. This is like kind of like a classic, like, oh, let's catch you. I can't yes. tell you people up on this shit. But I thought it was like pretty well done. Oh, it's it's amazing. In fact, there's there's yeah. two or three exposition dumps in this episode alone, and all three of them are done in a, in a very clever way. I And I don't know if this is an example of like cleverness necessarily, but putting the exposition dump in probably the like... I don't want to say like the dumbest character's mouth, but like the kind of the <laughs> most like annoying, like, uh, yeah. like Lucy is like so funny in the way she delivers like all this exposition where it's like, and then this happened and then this happened. It's almost like making fun of exposition at the same time, acknowledging yes. that we need it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Cooper insists on leaving the hospital against, uh, Dr. Hayward's wishes. Uh, so on the TV in Shelley's hospital room, uh, Cyril Pons reports on the fire at the sawmill. Wow, they got the uh, name of the reporter in I this know, in this, this wiki. I, I didn't. I did not know that the reporter had a name. Me neither. Uh, Cyril. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shelley lies in the hospital bed on a respirator. Uh, Jacques Renault's corpse uh, is wheeled in front of Cooper. Okay. Yeah, the smiling uh, bag, right? The smiling bag. Yeah. Or at least he thinks that it's the smile. Yeah. Yeah, it's a smiling bag, right? Well, yeah, he says it. He says smiling bag to himself. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. and then, uh, not Shelly. What's her name? 
the uh, Lucy's like, what's there to smile about? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, Ronette Pulaski stirs in her coma. Uh, Maddie drinks coffee at the Palmer's house and talks to Sarah about a dream she had about the rug. Uh, Leland enters singing. His hair is completely white. Uh, forgot about that. Yeah, wow. which is... um, And he's singing that awful song. And little weird... Uh, little Lambsy Divey. Little Lambsy Divey, yeah. And that's a song that my mom used to sing to me. I got really bizarre, triggered, like traumatic uh, flashbacks during this scene where I was like, what? How do I know all yeah. the words to this? <laughs> Well, it's like a song you like a parent sings to a kid. Like presumably, he like sang that to Laura. Right. Like, he's truly like yeah. clearly going through like some fucking like d- depression uh, from like losing his daughter or whatever. Yeah, but, Ray Weiss man. also will um will maintain this like white hair look uh, moving forward. I think in his career, right? Like, is this I I. I don't. I the, to me, this is what Ray Weiss actually looks like in other stuff. Like I'm, like thinking okay. of like the Tim and Eric yeah. movie and other great, so. other great Ray Weiss performances. <laughs> <laughs> um, Madeline has a, a, a vision of a body shape stain on the rug. Uh, ben and Jerry discuss the failure of their plans. Uh, Leland enters singing, and he says he is back. Uh, I love the way I can't stop thinking about the way uh, Jerry Horn like dives off the top of the stairs. Oh, Do you know what fuck. I'm talking about? Yeah, he does like the worm. It's so he funny. does like one he, like, move. Lands on his belly. Yeah, and then uh, Ben gets on the table and starts tap dancing. Dude, that all I had written down for this scene was like, "What the fuck is this dance?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like what the fuck is going on? Like that that was yeah. so crazy. Bananas. Um. The officers uh, inspect Leo's home, and Cooper analyzes uh, the living room while Hawk finds Leo's uh, duster in the truck. Uh, Albert arrives, and Andy hits himself on, steps on a loose floorboard like a fucking cartoon, uh, Looney Tunes, <laughs> yeah. and uh, causes Albert to taunt him. But uh, they find a whole bunch of cocaine under the board. Um, Hank uh, clears a table at the diner. Uh, Maddie and Donna meet the former uh, handling the former handing over a pair of sunglasses that had belonged to Laura, which is Donna's uh, like yeah. <laughs> getting weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, getting real weird. There's a couple of like weird totems in the show that like kind of represent like this character will be possessed by this thing, and I kind of feel like uh, the sunglasses to me seem like one of them. Where like when Donna puts on the sunglasses, she starts to become L- Laura Palmer. You know what I mean? Right. Where she starts to like yeah. smoke and be like all weird and sexual. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this scene was super strange. It's kind of, it, this is another exposition dump type scene where these two girls are just like kind of talking about like what's going on. And like, they're like, they're like telling each other what, what like about scenes we just saw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm also like, uh, not to go too far back, but like, I love agent, um, whatever his name is, agent, uh, Rosenfloor. What's his Rosenfeld, Albert Rosenfeld. Okay, Albert Rosenfeld is becomes one of my favorite characters. Starting with this episode, I mean, he's great in the other. He's great in the other episodes too. But 
I, I love his introduction here where he comes in and he's like another example of a, like uh, another great moment in the, uh, the history of police work or whatever when he sees Andy like knock himself out with a loose board. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he'll he never he's relentless about making fun of them for being hasty. Yes. Yeah. When he like tells Truman like something about him like dragging his knuckles on the ground when he's walking. Yes, try to try to raise yeah. the Hulk yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so good. Uh, Madeline breaks her glasses saying she hates them. Uh, Donna says that James spent the night in jail and urges Madeline to keep quiet. Hmm. Norma delivers a letter to Donna reading, look into the meals on wheels uh, and the log lady sits at a booth in the corner and spits out gum on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> I, I missed that because we, we hear about that later, but I missed that part. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I kind of did too. I must've been looking away at this, but yeah, I, that does, that does come back later in a scene between Norma oh. and uh, the log lady. Oh yeah. Uh, Albert dresses Cooper's wound and says that, uh, Gordon Cole ordered him to return. Uh, Andy reports that Leo Johnson was locked in a jail uh, in Hungry Horse, Montana, so he has an alibi for the Teresa Banks murder. Mm. Uh, The one-armed man enters the station house carrying a large suitcase, uh, presumably with shoes in it, uh, and asks for uh, Sheriff Truman, saying he is there to sell him some shoes. Yeah, I like like his performance, the one-armed man. It's it's very... Bizarre. It, I mean, it, it's it it's is. hard. I, I got to start coming up with more adjectives to describe people in this show because I feel like weird and bizarre are like not really cutting it. <laughs> he reminds me of like a ringmaster at a circus. Yeah. He, he's very animated and smiley, like out of context smiley. Like, yes. like he shouldn't be that happy inside of a police station or he should know to be more somber not or dour in a, inside of a police station if for no other reason to not look suspicious. But he constantly looks suspicious beyond just having one arm. <laughs> right. Um, anyone with just one lamb is suspicious. <laughs> uh, I knew Harry you were going to finish- say that. I knew it. Our one, we love our one-armed listeners. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I meant only in the context of the show, the <laughs> no, one-armed I'm kidding, man. I'm with, all right, all right. I'm kidding around. Harry finishes listening to Laura's tape with James, who says that Mike and Bobby put the cocaine in his gas tank. Uh, he tells Harry about a poem Laura said in the woods about fire. Would you like to play with fire, little boy? <laughs> Would you like to play with Bob? I love uh, that. Cooper enters and demands the other half of Laura's necklace. James hands it over and says it was inside of a coconut in Jacoby's office. I love Cooper kind of being like sort of like the authoritative adult. Like, I don't want to see you here, here again, James. Yeah. I No, I, he's like, really good at it. He's really good at yeah. assuming the role of a small town detective or whatever oh yeah i also think it's cool that like man this episode is move just moves so fast like they set Mm -hmm. they set up a ton of mcguffins in the first season that they just tie all of the they like um tie up all the loose ends right away in this first episode they're like there's the locket put it back in his hand uh wake up the girl in the coma um we're gonna tie up this you know what i mean like they they they're they um yeah, they, they don't fuck around. It's like the, pl- the 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 story or the plot moves at a really cool pace in this very first mm. episode. They don't get kind of hung up with dumb shit that I feel like would be hard to um, pay off later on. Like it, like like the locket. Even though that remember that was the 
end of episode of the of the pilot, yeah. right? Yeah, is seeing is seeing a, a a man grab the locket from from it's like buried in the woods that oh, yeah. they buried. Uh, that's not a good. Um, that's not something that you know they they were. That that is not a fun reveal <laughs> that it was Jacoby. You know what I mean? Like that's not a huge reveal. That's just like that's like a medium thing. So it's like don't hinge everything on that. Like just pay it off now. Just like get rid of it. Get rid of the locket. Get rid of that factor. You know, let's move on. Like we all want to know who killed Laura Palmer. We don't necessarily give a shit about this specific locket or you know, um, you know, even the things that the giant says are like let's nail all the mystery right away. Like, let's just like, start doing them. Okay. Now we see the smiling bag and we'll figure out what the owls are. And we, you know what I mean? Like, like, like let's figure them out quickly. Let's not like, don't, don't pull a lost and make us wait like seven seasons. Yeah. Um, Donna, let's see. Donna enters the station house wearing these sunglasses. Uh, Lucy recognizes her and Donna says she wants to see Jane. Lucy is like stunned. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very funny uh, reaction from her. She visits him in the cell and James uh, rebuffs her kisses. Uh, he, he, she, she, she like wanted to do, do it, it with, with me. me. Yeah. The, oh, James is awesome, dude. James is so cool. I also love it's that so Donna, weird. like, so I know we asked this in, in when we were doing season one, I asked this to you and it was a very inappropriate question. Are you a Donna guy or are you a uh uh, uh the uh what's Ben Horn's daughter's name? Audrey. Audrey guy. And all of season one, I was an Audrey guy. But I gotta say, with this new this new Donna, this glow up that Donna gets, I turned into a Donna man. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, that that is kind of like one of my favorite things about this show, and it goes with like everyone of like all uh like uh sexual preferences because there's mm-hmm. a lot of like interesting attractive right. people in this show like right are you a, are you an agent cooper guy or are you a yeah. um are you a uh the sheriff guy <laughs> right mm-hmm. um i you know i'm still i'm still a norma guy norma I, I norma's norma. the best norma's the best uh, um cooper asks lucy and andy to look uh through a pile of Flesh world. Oh, flesh world. I thought it said fresh wood for some reason. Yeah, that's what <laughs> that's what um Andy got when he was looking at flesh world. He got fresh sure. wood. Oh, <laughs> uh, we should have seen Andy like. <laughs> I do we see Andy like a close up of Andy seeing like boobs in flesh world or something? Well, he said it's great because he they for some reason he makes the couple who's like very like um I don't know they're like very fresh. They're like a very fresh couple. He makes them look at porn together in an office. And he's like, behave yourselves, you two. And then Andy's like, Lucy, I just want you to know I'm very uncomfortable right now. And Lucy's like, grow up. And then as soon as she starts looking at the porn, she's like, whoa. (laughs) Um, Dr. Dr. Hayward inspects Jacoby and Cooper. And Harry comes to visit uh, the psychiatrist. Uh, Cooper demands the, that Jacoby tell him where he got the necklace. Jacoby admits he followed, uh, a red Corvette, then followed James and Donna through the woods. He says they buried something under a rock and he took it. Uh, Jacoby says that Laura was a divided heart, uh, leading a double life. And he believes Laura and decided to end her life that she allowed herself to be killed. Uh, Cooper asked Jacoby about Jacques' death and, 
he says there was a smell like scorched engine oil. We got to talk about Jacoby's uh, <laughs> setup here in the hospital. <laughs> His I, Hawaiian th- that's setup? more important to me than any of this exposition. Yeah. Is like, this, so this man has a wife who lives in Hawaii. And I get he lives, but he lives in Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I guess I'm just sort of confused about, <laughs> about the situation. Like, what the hell's going on? I guess yeah. if you live in Washington, maybe you do um, long for the tropical landscape of Hawaii, and and you might have a, a little fetish of Hawaii if you were if you were around cold all the time. But man, I gotta say, I hate Doctor. I hate Jacoby. I hate this guy. He stinks. <laughs> Wait, oh yeah, yeah. I just, I, 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 I like he's, a, he's annoying. As, he is annoying. Yeah. You know, I think. Um, I won't say anything. I mean, I kind of like. Uh, he's okay as a character, but like his whole like she had a divided heart thing. I was like, man, shut the hell yeah. up. <laughs> he's a little. Yeah, he is a little annoying. <laughs> um, Bobby visits Shelly and brings her followers. Uh, and after Flowers. his visit. Uh, fla- fla- flowers. Mm. Uh, I spend too much time on Twitter. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, getting all those, getting all those flowers. <laughs> yeah, the officers uh, see him leaving and retweet him. What? <laughs> uh, and le- see him leaving the room. Uh, Big Ed sits in the hallway, uh, and Cooper talks to him privately. Ed tells a story with Norma and Nadine, including the detail that he shot out Nadine's eye on their honeymoon. Gosh, it's, uh, it, Ed is such a piece of shit. Like he's yeah. we we already didn't like him from season one like like two timing his his mentally ill wife with Norma and then we find out he actually shot her eye out, jeez. Yeah. Um. James is uh. You know this all could have been avoided if he had watched uh. What's that movie? The Chris a Christmas story. A Christmas story. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, why didn't you watch uh, the Christmas story, <laughs> Big Ed? Is okay. So James is Ed's son, but is James also uh, no his uh. His nephew. Nephew. Got it. Yeah. Got it. I can't remember. You know, we might learn. I I think we learn it in Firewalk with me. Um, the James, I won't, James I won't has a, okay. He I has a troubled. Uh, I know he has a troubled home life. He talks about his mom okay. in one of these episodes. Oh yeah, we do hear that in in mm-hmm. Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His mom is like. Uh, she he talked. Was that in season one where he talks about how his mom would like shack up in a motel room with like a bunch of booze yeah. and like mm-hmm. bang men? Oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't remember what his dad's deal was. I think he just like left it, them or something. Mm. Uh, Cooper sees the body bag hanging and notices that it's shaped like a little smile. What what body bag is this? Like whose body is in there? I it's an empty body bag, I believe, uh-huh. and it's like sagging in the middle. Um, Pete inspects the hospital food and rejects it. Oh yeah, we forgot the uh, the hospital food is just like disgusting. Yeah, that's kind of a little gag that they keep calling back to is that the food like it like bubbles on its own. <laughs> it's like has yeah. it's like a it's like living. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. Uh, Cooper says he is ready to lay out everything. Norma promises to bring Shelly. Uh, some food, and on her way out of the hospital, she sees Ed sitting with Nadine. Yeah, I believe um, he's singing to her, right? Well, I I don't know if that happens in this episode. It might, okay. but like, yeah, Norma t- talking to Shelly, and Shelly's like, "You bring the whole pie, Norma. I'm serious." And I was like, yeah. "Damn, 
You're talking oh, to your yeah, boss dude. like that? <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, Bobby enters the diner and his father calls him over. Major I love Briggs. a Major Briggs. I love so a good, good Major Briggs monologue. You know, one of my favorite Major Briggs moments is coming up too. Major Briggs tells, uh, not this one, but he tells his son uh, uh, a vision he had of being in an old family ho- house and embracing Bobby. Uh, they They... I believe Bobby tears up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you usually uh, don't uh, tell your sons uh, uh, the when you have dreams of banging your son. You usually don't tell him. <laughs> uh, That's a joke about Norma, how that uh, sentence is worded. Embrace. Yeah, embracing <laughs> is bizarre. Uh, Norma returns to the diner and tells Hank she cannot talk. Uh, Bobby and Bobby. So Hank gives. Bobby like a look like women, am I right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Bobby realizes Hank shot Leo. Right. Basically, in mm-hmm. that moment. And Hank is like, uh, what did you think of the flowers? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cooper discusses Laura's uh, diary uh, and that she made two appointments. They summarize their knowledge of what happened uh, to Laura that night. Uh, Pete and Harry return to Pete's house and Harry asks him where Josie is. Uh, she left a note stating that she had to leave for emergency business in Seattle. Pete, explain, Pete explains that she leaves for Seattle regularly and comes back with a lot of clothes. Mm. Uh, she has a little bit of a... What is it, how does he put it? Like a, like a hat, like bad a, habit or something? A I bad habit, like he, a shopping addiction or like a spending yeah. addiction? I also love that Pete has the great line of like... A, he Because he inhaled so much smoke, it feels like he someone like glued his mouth to the tailpipe of a like a diesel truck or something (laughs) of a bus. (laughs) Uh, Harry then says they have not found Catherine and advise him to prepare for the worst. Don't it. Uh, (sighs) Never mind. This is going to be a spoiler. I don't want to, I was going to even ask. I I was confused about the Catherine thing. Like, did she disappear in the end of season one? So she started the fire, didn't she? The, well, I think Leo started the fire, right? And she came in and she oh, saved yeah. and Josie. She came in, yeah. No, 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 no. no. Sorry, no, uh, Shelly. Shelly, yeah. She saved Shelly and then I guess split? I guess, yeah. She shaved Shelly by the she uh, seashore, it. yeah. Yeah, she shaved uh, her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was weird, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the phone rings, and a strange man asks to talk to Josie. The man hangs up uh, and calls Hong Kong next. <laughs> uh, ben and Jerry talk about European uh, delicacies, <laughs> as per usual, and mm-hmm, Ben mm-hmm. asks if Jerry has seen Audrey, but he has not. They enter the office where Hank is waiting. Uh, they ask him where Josie is. I guess Ben's office is just like anyone can just go in there and like wait ominously. Yeah. If they want to. God, Hank looks like Hank looks like such an idiot waiting for <laughs> Ben when they open the door. He's like in the pitch black darkness, standing there with like a dumbass like it's either a leather or a jean jacket. I'm just like, you yeah. look like an idiot. <laughs> dipshit uh, yeah exactly <laughs> they ask him where Josie is and he says she left he explains that he could not enter Leo's house because he uh, had to pass patrol cars on the way there and says Leo is chopping wood inside uh, and defends the statement with Leo's craziness uh, I, lo- I love that, that Jerry's like he was chopping wood inside he keeps like asking him yeah. over and over like you know inside? Leo inside and he keeps saying yeah you know Leo and he's like inside the house like it's like he can't believe it because it is crazy yeah 
Um, Hank says that his phone call made Catherine hide uh, that she is dead. Hide and that she is dead. Yeah. And that she is dead. Hank asks what to do with the ledger. Yeah. Um, Audrey enters Blackie's office and asks about the locked door and bodyguard. Blackie warns her that she does not want to hear any complaints. Uh, Donna calls Norma about Meals on Wheels and offers to take over Laura's route. Uh, the youngest daughter of Will and uh, Eileen Hayward, uh, Gersten, addresses her parents, Leland and Sarah Palmer, uh, Maddie, Harriet, and Donna, welcoming them to the Hayward Supper Club. She says uh, she will be playing music and brags about her test scores, but first the Hayward's middle child, Harriet, reads a poem about Laura. Mm -hmm. Leland and Sarah are moved, and Gersten plays a a piece by Mendelssohn. Mendelssohn. Yeah. The Palmers and Haywards discuss uh, recent events. Leland sings Get Happy, and Sarah cries. Leland falls over. <laughs> but I love regurgitating it like this. It sounds so funny. Leland sings Get Happy. Leland falls over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that's not really doing it this justice. This is wild. But yeah, yeah, but uh, I got to say, this is, like, uh, this is maybe my second favorite scene in the episode. Um, you know, my first oh, yeah. being the opening, but like, um, this, this dinner is, is shot very well. It's very profound. It, it kind of brings everything down a little bit. Like it's a really mm-hmm. patient sequence. Um, and I, I just like love all the things at play here. Like, like we know Leland killed Jacques Renault and his hair is suddenly white and he's at dinner with the doctor who like no one knows why his hair is white yet. And he kind of explains that he just woke up and that's how it is now. And he, mm-hmm. and along with that, um, his like his uh, sorrow, his his incredible sorrow has dissipated a little bit. Yeah, and, um, but it's that's what he says, right? <laughs> right? But well, it, like doesn't seem that way. Well, I mean, then he does kind of go into a little fit again, and you know, we don't want to spoil. It's weird talking about this because I do know what happens in this show. And it's weird talking about it in these terms, but this is a very interesting scene to go back to knowing what I know will end up happening. And I can't wait to get there to talk about it. So I want to put a pin in this scene and revisit it again once we get towards more the middle of the season. Because this is a very, in- this is very interesting in context. Also, oh yeah, the music that they play and the poem that she reads are genuinely beautiful. Like it, they're very, yeah. they're very moving. I found myself actually tearing up, which I don't do very often with this show is actually be, like become emotionally moved. And I found that this was, this was, this scene made me like very like, I don't know. It just distressed me in a way that was like, wow, like this is like, this is kind of like how it would really go in real life. You know, this, this mm-hmm. felt very genuine yeah. until he sings, get happy and then falls over. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, Cooper makes a voice note to Diane about uh, the necessity of yeah. sleep. Uh, Audrey lies in bed praying to special agents. This is my third favorite scene is uh, mm-hmm. Audrey uh, praying, which I wrote down here. Uh, prayer is a very unique and creative way to do exposition. I've never seen yeah. that done before where like it's ba- basically Audrey is like reminding the audience kind of what's going on. And she's like, I hope this is going to happen. Or I wonder if this happened or blah, blah, blah. She's like, sort of like, I wish I wrote down some more specific quotes, but 
Um, I, I love this scene of Audrey praying to agent Cooper. Like she's praying, like she's wishing that yeah. maybe he would find the note that she left and that she's in trouble. And I, I, I don't know. I, she's, it's also this character that we see is kind of being a little bit of a spider being very vulnerable. Hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, you know, just for the record, I pray to agent Cooper. Every <laughs> night too. I know you do. You're, you're a freak. <laughs> Uh, Shadow passes over Cooper in his sleep. The giant is back. Uh, don't search for all the answers at once. Uh, a path is formed by laying one stone at a time. One person saw the third man. Three have seen him. Yes, but not his body. One only known to you, ready now to talk. Uh, and then the giant flashes a globe of light into Cooper's head. Yes. Which... So that's fun. Which is uh, me assuming that the giant has possessed Dale Cooper. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fluorescent lights flicker in the hospital. Ronette raises her arms and she thrashes around, having nightmares of Laura's final moments. Which are genuinely fucking insane. Like um, this, oh, yeah. this sequence of the man with the long gray hair screams at mm-hmm. the night. Like that sequence is, I can't believe they aired that on television. Because even though it's not like a gory or... Really, it's not like they show anything particularly. Is it's the way it's presented? It's like fucking terrifying. Yeah. Um, yes, and we see uh, in a lot of these sequences. You will notice we see that ceiling fan. Mm. Uh, something to take note of. Uh, that yeah. Comes up, that well, comes up later. and we also see him kill Lo- Laura in that in that. Flat in that like flashing of mm. psy- psychoness, we see Bob like fucking slam something down. We see Laura's corpse. We also see Laura and Bob's face sort of like strobe light meld together in yeah. in it. it. It's so effective. It's so well done. Like uh, and and it's like very clearly a David Lynch doing a lot of his cinematic tricks, which sure. you know when they don't have yeah. him at the helm. They're not quite as good at doing, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. but it's very cool. Um, also, oh, yeah. I wrote down this little note just because I thought it was interesting. But the immediate immediately after you get um, Bob screaming into the night, you know, you roll credits. The very next thing you see is uh, this de- episode is dedicated to Kevin Young Jr. Uh, Eric, mm, do you know who, who that, that is? No. So Kevin Young is an actor and a production assistant on the show who played a character named Toad. Does that does that name mean anything to you? Toad? Toad. Toad Twin Peaks. Yeah, uh, look him up. But uh, his name is Kevin Young, and okay. um, and it was his son, his nine-month-old son, passed away, and they dedicated ah. that episode to him. Okay. Which I thought was very... Uh, I just thought it was a weird piece of trivia, because I'm thinking, like, was it the old man from the beginning of the episode who passed away? Like, who was it that, that died and... No, it's uh, it's this, it's this, this like little known actor, um, who wasn't even a big character in the show, but yeah, his son passed away. A huge bummer. Well, R.I.P. We're dedicating this episode of the podcast to him as well. So, yeah, uh, there's a lot of you know, Toad stuff, by the way, on the internet. If you if you type, I in, saw that. Yeah, yeah, just, just a Twin up. Peaks book, The Secret Diary of Toad. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> uh, all right, so 
How about we dive into what, what? What about we dive into episode nine? Yeah, Come we got on. we got to cook through these, and I feel like the next two are going to be way shorter than covering this. This one was yeah. I we we forgot to say long. at the beginning. This one was an hour and a half long. These are <laughs> these the next two are half as long as that. And I will say that yes. like for like the twenty five notes I had down for season two episode one, I have two notes written down for each of the next episodes. So not a lot. I don't even. <laughs> I don't even look at my notes that I take for these anymore because I start and I will start and I will literally write down like every scene and like different things I notice and then halfway through like without fail I will just stop taking notes. (laughs) Yeah because it becomes Uh, too like hard to watch stuff that way like yeah so so now I just write now I just write down stuff whenever something screams at me like I'm like oh my gosh whenever I'm like really taken back by something it basically jogs my memory and that like oh you should write that down. (laughs) <laughs> um so episode nine coma uh let's see here little note uh the little boy practicing magic is david lynch's son not sure if you knew that uh, uh yeah no fucking shit he looks yeah. just <laughs> yeah. like david lynch austin by the way austin. that's one of two notes i took down for this episode that little oh, yeah. kid looks just like little david lynch <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah uh, so let's dive into the plot. Cooper is having breakfast, explains Buddhist Tibetan traditions and history to uh, an uninterested Albert. I believe there's a like barbershop quartet behind them in this scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, Albert tells him the results of Jack R- Jacques Renault's autopsy and states that Jacques was stu- uh, snuffed with a pillow. Uh, the killer wore gloves and the tape used to blind, uh, bind his wrists was stolen from a hospital supply cabinet. Uh, Albert says the mill uh, fire was arson, with Leo Johnson being the prime suspect. Albert then reports that Wyndham Earl, Cooper's former partner who was institutionalized, uh, has vanished into thin air. And also an Asian man reading a newspaper watches Cooper intently. So, first mention of Wyndham Earl. Yes, Wyndham Earl. Honestly, like one of the best fake names in history. I love it so much. Yes. Uh, so, and um, this is the guy who was institutionalized and he vanished. Yeah. And I think he was like Cooper's part. Former partner. partner. Former partner. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Donna carries a tray of food to bedridden Mrs. Tremond. A uh, little boy wearing a jacket and bow ties sits near the door and makes creamed corn disappear from the food tray <laughs> and appear in his hand. Yeah, I he love does. this shit. This yeah. scene fucking owns. I've seen this scene like five times now. It does not get less suspenseful and creepy. It's so good. It's great. I love it. Yeah, and I, I I love Donna's reaction too. Where well, like she sees it and she's like, ha ha ha. <laughs> I know, but you kind of like you're kind of like think about like what everything Donna has gone through in the past couple of days. It's like. I don't know. If I had like gone through all that shit and then I saw like cream corn appear out of nowhere, I'd be like, I don't fucking know what's happening anymore already. So I'm just like <laughs> Yes. Mentally and emotionally numb to like everything around me. Uh Mrs. Tremont says, My grandson is studying magic and denies knowing Laura well. Uh she suggests that she ask Mr. Smith next door. Uh the boy says uh hmm. I don't know how to say that. Something, uh, we'll skip it. Uh, and Donna goes next uh, door, knocks, and then leaves a note. Uh, we see Harold Smith's little 
little eye peeper is peeking through the window there, I believe, mm-hmm. as she walks away. I gotta say, we'll get to Harold, but um, one of my least favorite, one of my least favorite Twin Peaks characters. Who uh, Harold Smith? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Um, why do you not? Why don't? Why don't you like? Why no love for Harold? Um, I know he has like I don't. He's uh, he's. He's just kind of like lame to me. I don't know. Yeah, like, he's boring as shit. <laughs> he's boring. He's boring. And like when we're like inside of his apartment, it or his his house, it just feels like disconnected from like Twin Peaks for some reason for me. It feels like out of character for the show for some reason, like him specifically. But mm-hmm. uh, we're in Ronette's room. Harry and Cooper read the instructions before adjusting the stools, then sit next to Ronette's bed. Uh, Ronette die, uh, denies that Leo was the man that hurt her, and when Cooper shows her the sketch of Bob, she reacts violently. Uh, and then Jerry and Ben debate the merits of burning the real or faked ledger and decide to toast marshmallows instead. Uh, Jerry is, like, absolutely stoked out of his... Hey, <laughs> about the marshmallows. Yeah. J- yeah. Jerry is like uh he's kind of in his own show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He really is. Mm-hmm. Um at the double R. <laughs> Andy has trouble taping the sketch of Bob captioned uh, have you seen this man to the front door? The log lady enters and six next to Major Briggs. This is, I think, my favorite Briggs. Uh, moment because nice major briggs like he just like takes everyone at like and everything at like face value the log lady comes up you know someone like albert might like scoff at the log lady and make fun of her she when she says like are you listening like my log has something to tell you to major briggs he's just like lay it on me sister uh, he's he he's just great. He's the he's the best. Uh, yeah. Norma asks uh the log lady to spit her gum in the ashtray rather than on the counter. Uh, and the log lady tells the major that her log has something to tell him, uh, which is deliver the message. And the major says he understands. Um, so we are at the. Sheriff's office, Andy tells Lucy that when he had applied as a donor uh, to the sperm bank, uh, <laughs> and they uh, told him he was sterile and could never have babies, so now he wants to know why Lucy is having one and how. Oh, no, this is a bummer. Yeah, I feel bad for Andy. Uh, in the sheriff's office, Truman has Hank sign in and tell him uh, to keep his nose clean for another week. Uh, after Hank leaves, Hank's a little like fucking asshole in this, by the way, too. Like the way he like signs the he he like does like a like sarcastic signature and like acts like a little dick. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a bad guy. Uh, after <laughs> Hank leaves, Truman tells Cooper he and Hank grew up together, and that Hank used to be a bookhouse boy. One of the best, in fact. Uh, ben Horn phones and reports that Audrey has been missing for two days. Uh, it only took him two days to like finally do something about his missing teenage daughter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, other than trying to have sex with her, he's really not been good at finding her. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Jerry brings the unsigned insurance policy to Ben and explains... Catherine would not sign it because of the concerns about the uh, beneficiary being uh, Josie. 
they decide to call the Icelanders, and Leland enters. Mm. Uh, Elnar, Elnar, Einar, uh, Einar, uh, <laughs> tells Ben uh, uh, that Leland had called to tell him about the fire, and Ben and Jerry uh, calm the concerned Elnar down. Uh, ben suggests that Leland con- uh, confine his activities to preparing his tax return. Leland then sees a copy of the sketch of Bob and says that he knows the man uh, as the man who lives next door to his granddaughter's summer house at Pearl Lakes when Leland was a boy. Yeah, this is a crazy scene. Yeah. He also threw matches at him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Weird. Uh, ben asks Jerry to kill Leland. Um, so, uh, at the hospital, Hayward, Dr. Hayward, shows Leo to Shelly and, she, and tells her uh, there is possible brain damage. Shelly asks if he is in a vegetable state. Oh, yeah, Leo. Okay, yeah, yeah. Is in a, veg- a vegetable state, and he does not deny it. Shelly cries. Uh, Lucy receives a call for the sheriff uh, from someone who will not give his name. She tells the caller... Uh, she cannot con- uh, connect him unless he tells her his name and then hangs up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> One-Eyed Jacks. Audrey intercepts a girl carrying ice to Emery uh, Battis, uh, who is lying uh, inverted on a chaise lounge. So this was the like department store yes, guy, this right? Yes, the creepy guy that he could not detect a smoking person in his own closet next to him. Fucking weirdo. Yeah. yeah so yeah. he's like into vacuum cleaner sounds and yeah, uh, yeah, he's a psycho. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So she threatens to reveal all about Emery, Laura, and Ronette to her father. Emery admits to working for the owner of One Eye Jacks, her father, and recruiting Laura and Ronette. He says Laura came there one weekend but was using drugs and they threw her out. He says her father saw Laura there and that he makes it his business to entertain all the girls. He says Laura knew Ben Horn uh, owned One-Eyed Jacks and that Laura uh, always got her way, just like Audrey. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. So in the evening, Bobby and Shelly sit in his dad's car. He tells her that Leo gets a disability check as long uh, as he is out of prison. Uh, so basically they plot to like, uh, like scam. this disability. In- insurance scam. scam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, at night, Cooper and Diane, uh, Cooper tells Diane about being troubled about Wyndham Earl's disappearance and also because Audrey's absence touches him. Uh, Major Briggs uh, visits and tells him that he has a message for him. I love this so much. So he explains that his work includes maintenance of deep space monitors aimed at distant galaxies, <laughs> and they routinely receive servi- uh, communications that are gibberish and noise or space garbage. Uh, among these was one clear message that came in late Thursday night or early Friday about the time Cooper was shot, he notes. The message was, the owls are not what they seem. <laughs> when Cooper asks how he knows it was for him, uh, the major shows him another message that came in later that says, Cooper, Cooper, Cooper. <laughs> so, so these good. are from aliens, basically. Yeah. 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 I love this. Yeah. There's a lot. We're getting a lot of like far out there fucking shit introduced in these first two episodes. I, I, and I love it. Yeah. I, I love it too. And it's weird because I, it doesn't seem like it's that much 
it's that much farther out of reach than stuff we saw in season one. But you know, I'm starting. I'm I'm wondering if this is what turned people off ultimately in the original run of Twin Peaks. Yeah, it is like definitely getting more like I don't I don't know if sci-fi is the word. I guess I wouldn't classify as this as sci-fi at yeah. all. Yeah. It's you know what I mean. It's like getting a little like fantastical kind of. It's not like a normal like who done it kind of thing. Um you know, it's it's a little outside of reality maybe or maybe not. Who knows. Uh at the Hayward home, uh, James, Maddie, and Donna. God, I hate this so much. James, Donna, and Maddie record a song. Dude, this was the only other note I wrote down. This song scares me. <laughs> <laughs> Just you. It's like how. Oh, boy. The only thing I like about this scene is like how funny it is that that's James is singing. Voice. Exactly, dude. When he started singing like that, like I had a flashback to the first time I had watched the show and I was much younger and I remember being actually frightened by that noise yeah. coming out of I James's mouth. I was like, and it totally brought me back. And just like the stage, this the way they have this scene staged is so weird where they're like sitting on the floor singing into a microphone, you know, like no one's ever done ever. And James is singing so weird, only playing guitar. And it's clearly like that Angelo Badalamente style of like singing songs that like only really Angelo Badalamente does to see like this like troubled teen youth not be like, you know what? I don't know, like doing some fucking Pearl Jam Nirvana shit, which would have been popular at the time. He's doing this. It was like... Ugh, it just was like very creepy yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, a cool, phone kind, call of a, kind of a cool scene though. I mean, like it, it is yeah. sort of like uh, you know, it's it's weird. Like it's again, there's that word again, bizarre, weird. It, it's strange. It's like why would they choose to do this? Like no kids do this, and and this is like an inopportune moment to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Uh, a phone call comes from Donna for Hale, from Harold Smith. Uh, Maddie has a vision of Bob coming over the couch, which is crazy, uh, causing her to scream. I love I love seeing it when Leland doesn't Leland come in during this or no? Yes, he does, and he's just like, uh, "What? <laughs> what happened?" Yeah, uh, he, his like expression is very funny. Uh, James and Donna go to her, but there's nothing there. Uh, Cooper dreams. Uh, Several flashbacks, including the giant telling him the owls are not what they seem, Ronette dreaming of Bob, the image of an owl superimposed over Sarah's vision of Bob, Sarah going downstairs and Bob smiling. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cooper awakens uh, and answers the phone to Audrey saying, why aren't you here? She tells him he looked handsome in his tuxedo and that she is in trouble. Blackie and Emery hang up her phone and Blackie tells Audrey, Miss Horn, you don't know what trouble is not, not by, a, by long a long shot this was fucking stupid this was so stupid yeah. audrey should have just yeah. said hey i'm trapped at the fucking one-eyed jacks yeah. come get Jesus me Christ. it's so insane she like compliments him on his tuxedo and i'm like what why uh, why did this scene happen it just it it, it it was um it was a little um a bridge too far for me yeah yeah so, Jeremy, we're getting into episode 10 here. Episode and, 10. Uh, real quick, you know what I, you, you know, do you know about the secret Dora, diary of Laura Palmer? I know about the secret diary of Toad. That's it. Okay. 
Um, so this is another less uh, popular book, <laughs> companion piece to Twin Peaks original run. So during uh, it basically uh, in between seasons one and two, and it actually came out I think before episode ten aired mm. uh, in that period of time. Uh, David Lynch basically his daughter uh, Jennifer Jennifer I Lynch should... the the director yes, yes his daughter uh, wrote a diary basically it's uh, Laura's diary um, mm-hmm. and I'm sure she had you know some direction from from Lynch and Frost of course but like uh, I I never read it before I listened to an audio version there's actually. You can find an audio version that's like eight hours long, and it's Cheryl Lee reading it as uh, uh, fucking Laura, which is mm-hmm. the way to go if you're gonna if you're gonna read that. It's very good, but cool. it's um, very it's very fucked up. And I'll uh, there's some interesting stuff I learned from it, um, but I'll I'll go into it. I think on the next episode. I think we'll tease that for the next episode. Um, but it's very interesting. I never, I'm glad that I finally got around to reading it. It's, uh, it's, yeah, we'll talk about it, but, uh, okay, Jeremy cool. for episode 10, what do you say? If you wouldn't mind, would you mind taking over the, uh, <laughs> would you the mind reading? The yeah, yeah, this? sure. You got My it, pal. Throat Your throat is uh, probably is on dead. fire at this point. Okay. Um, so this, uh, the air date of this episode was, by the way, October 13th, 1990. It is episode 10 of the show or 11 of the show. If you count the pilot, it is also episode three of season two. Um, those are all the different ways you can see this episode. (laughs) Uh, so it begins with Harry helping orderlies restrain Ronette in the hospital, Cooper and Albert enter. Cooper takes a sample from her fingernail, a small piece of paper that contains the letter B, uh, which looks very painful, I might add. That looked like a very oh, yeah, a very painful so. removal of that letter from her fingernail. Cooper tells Harry and Albert about his vision from the giant, which he has no problem doing. I think um, we get that great Albert line that is, I mean, just amazing comedic timing from Miguel Ferrar, rest in peace, which is... Uh, any relation to the to the uh, what was it? Any relation to the Munchkin, <laughs> which uh, uh, I assume yeah. is a reference to Cooper also telling him about his dream about the um, the little person. Oh right, right, yeah. So and I just I just love that because it, it totally calls out the unusual thing about Cooper. It's like he's dr- always dreaming about differently sized people than he is. <laughs> like right. it's either someone smaller than him or much larger than him. Uh, Donna visits Harold Smith, who offers uh, her who offers her his hospitality. Uh, he has many flowers in his living room, and he says he sent uh, the letter for her to investigate Meals on Wheels. Um, Harold Smith continues to be a, a weird creep who I do not care for, and we both find boring. If you, yeah, he sucks. Yeah, he sucks. He says he is a shut-in because he cannot go outside. That he was a mystery in Laura's life. That's a, that's probably another reason why we don't like him too, huh? It's like he kind of like you're you're kind of just like he's the guy who like uh, is pretending like he's more important to the story than he really is. You know, right? Um, exactly. Like, I feel like I knew people like uh, Harold Smith in high school. He asks Donna to place one of his orchids on her grave for him and walks out to his greenhouse. Uh, Donna tries to pull a slip of paper from the bookshelf, but Harold interrupts her with a lady slipper orchid. Harold says Donna is every bit as lovely as Laura. 
said she would be and takes the orchid and tells Harold she will be back at the station house. Cooper stands in front of a blackboard with the letters found under the girl's fingernails and the names of the people who have seen B.O.B. Maddie, Mrs. Palmer, Cooper, Ronette, and the picture of Bob. Mm. He says the lines between the names are a psychic link that will lead them to him. Harry asks about the giant, and Albert dismisses it, then reports that the cocaine found in James' gas tank matched the cocaine found in Jacques' car in Leo's house, meaning that Leo framed James. Uh. Interesting. The letter B found under Ronette's fingernail was cut from the edition of Flesh World. Uh-oh. A little uh, old-timey kidnapping uh, technique, huh? Cutting out magazine letters. Dude, I'm reading. Um, by the way, this is a, this is a little, a little side tangent. You know, I started reading that that book from uh, Kubrick's assistant. I oh, forget right. what it's called. It's like mm-hmm. Kubrick, like his one of his assistants, like uh, Eyes wrote wide this open? basically book about. I think it might be called that. Yeah, it's like, um, but I'm just I've just like barely started it. But he talks about like. Uh, Kubrick would get like death threats, like <laughs> literally like cut out of like magazine letters mm-hmm. like this. Uh, mm-hmm. after Clockwork Orange. Oh yeah, baby. Yeah, Kubrick. Well, uh, teaser for our Kubrick. Oh, he sure did. He sure did it, didn't he? Oh um, yeah. He also. Uh, he also, and by he, I guess we're talking about uh, Albert. He also says that he sent a picture of Bob to law enforcement agencies across the country. It came up with nothing. He reports that Cooper was shot with a Walther PBK, which he notes to be James Bond's gun. Yep. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, that was fun. <laughs> that was fun. Now, this is my favorite scene of maybe the whole show at, up until this point. I love this scene. Um, on his way out, Albert insults Harry again. So Harry grabs Albert's collar and says that the yes. last time he punched Albert, he felt sorry about it. But the next time will be a pleasure. Albert states his philosophical convictions and says that he loves Sheriff Truman. Um, well, how do you feel about Albert's monologue here? It's such a weird, like, twist for Albert. I do love it, though. I can't, mm-hmm. like, tell if it's a troll. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it could be a tell troll. If it's genuine. Well, it, it does kind of explain Albert's disposition here, where he's like, um, he, like, he basically just announces, he grabs Harry back, and he's like, I don't fuck around is basically the point of his, his, his message. He's like, you guys are here, like, to fuck around. You're slow, and you, and you don't, uh, and you don't take this as seriously as I do. Like I, I stand on the opposite side of uh, all things evil. Like I'm, I'm here to like avenge the hurt that all these people went through, and um, you know. And at the end of the day, he subscribes to this philosophy that even though he's like rough around the edges, he still leads with love. And he explains to Sheriff Truman that he indeed loves him, like he loves everyone. And walks out. It's super yeah. weird. And then Cooper comments on this as being like. <sighs> His journey is a complicated one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In front of the station house, Cooper tells James he can go home, but stop trying to figure everything out himself. (laughs) Lucy (laughs) tries to find words that use the letter B, T, and R. The foppish Dick Tremaine then comes in to take Lucy to lunch. We assume Dick Tremaine probably got Lucy pregnant at this point because we know that Andy can. Andy's shooting blanks, and Dick Tremaine is... I guess not. Um, 
No, he's. How, how do you feel uh, about Dick Tremaine? By the way, he's he might he might give uh, Harold Smith a run for his. I money. know. I was like, gonna say that, character. but I I will say that like Dick Tremaine at least like is a source of like some good comedy. Uh, and, like, yeah, annoyance. Yeah. But he is very funny. Yeah, he yeah. he does suck. He does suck a lot. Yeah, Leland enters and talks to the officers about the picture of Bob. He says that he knows him when he was a little boy. His grandmother. Oh, I. I'm sorry. I I got confused. This happens now. Uh, I thought it happened in the last episode. That's why I made that comment about the matches. Right? Oh, yeah. Because yeah, okay, he says yeah, he yeah. knows him when he was a little boy and his grandfather to Summerhome and Bob was his neighbor. He lived in a white house and he thinks his name was Robertson. Uh, and then he explains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Cooper sends Hawk to the lake house to investigate. Leland says that Bob used to flick matches at him and asks... Do you want to play with fire, little boy? Ah, that quote, right? Yeah. A little oh, yeah. Uh, little callback. Lucy and Dick sit. It's, by the way, it's called a callback in comedy. <laughs> Is it? I don't think it's called a callback. Is it called a callback? Uh, in, I don't know. I think it. I think it might be. Okay. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just so funny because I'm thinking about callbacks in, in comedy, like <laughs> when you're doing stand-up or whatever versus like this is like profoundly not funny. Um Lucy and Dick sit at the counter of the Double R Diner, the only restaurant in town, I assume. Uh, Richard talks about his method for memorizing customer orders, and Lucy asks why he hasn't called in six weeks after three months of going out every week and after their night on a bed in Horn's home furnishings. She then reveals that she is pregnant. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like they could have built another restaurant set. There's got to be another place to dine inside of Twin Peaks, uh, but they just—I feel like this is just like out of laziness. They're like, uh, they got to go eat somewhere. Uh, but, but take them to the diner. Um, I guess they kind of give a Dick the excuse that he's cheap. Like they keep mentioning that he's cheap, so maybe he wouldn't actually take her somewhere fancy. But yeah. I don't know. What do you think about that, Eric? Do you, I, I, I think they could do with one more restaurant setting. Yeah, I think I think so too. I think dicks dick like seems like i mean he like carries himself like he's a fucking millionaire mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. like he's very smug right so i don't know um i would James- like to see like a fancy i guess the fancy twin peaks restaurant would be the great northern oh sure oh yeah i guess there is that little like um and like it's the hotel restaurant Yes, and then there's the Roadhouse, which we we haven't hung out at the Roadhouse too much. No, right? we've only been there really once, we'll right? That. When we'll uh, when Leland has his meltdown, yeah. Um, James oh, yeah. and Madeline sit at the diner. Uh, the former asking about Donna's smoking, and but, <laughs> by the way, they are sitting on the same side of the booth, so yeah. I do sort of understand what's about to happen next. Uh, James tells Donna. Uh, tells about Donna's visit to the prison, how she seemed to want to do him through the bars. Do it. She do wanted to do me. it with me through the bars. <laughs> uh, Madeline holds James' hand and Donna enters. Misunderstanding the gesture, she tells them how much she liked Harold and storms out. Um, yeah, I mean, why are you sitting on the same side? I don't know. I feel like James is kind of yeah. asking for it here with Madeline. Yeah. Um, I mean, she looks... She's a dead ringer for Laura Palmer. One might even <laughs> say she's the same actor. <laughs> Especially without those glasses now, too. Yeah, now that she's bro- broken her glasses. I do kind of like this convention, though, of like uh the per like they kind of make her look less like laura palmer and over the course of the show they make her look more and more like her yeah yeah it's 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 interesting blackie and emery tie up audrey and emery makes a video of her 
um, Emery and Blackie argue over whether their plan will work. And this is a video of her doing heroin, right? They like, yeah, this is, I, this is one of the more fucked up, darker plots to where they inject a high school kid with heroin. That's incredibly fucked up. Yeah, this um, is yeah, it's it's bad. Yeah, at the station house, the one-armed man shows Harry his selection of boots. He sees the picture of Bob and reacts strongly. I think that's a understatement. He goes into the bathroom and has like a whole body orgasm <laughs> in the in the toilet stall. Uh, yeah. Shelley meets Harry and Cooper in the station, and they ask for a statement regarding Leo, but she refuses to say anything against him. Cooper escorts her out the door and tells Harry that he believes her reasons to be an insurance scam, but he is not sure who thought it up. Mm. I kind of like the scene, Eric. Did you like? Did you, what did you think when Cooper's basically like? All right, Shelly. Well, that's going to do it. Uh, Leo, I'm sure Leo yeah. will be fine in no time. And you see Shelly's uh, yeah. reaction. And I like Shelly's delivery of what? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. When, when she's being told to leave. She's like, mm-hmm. what? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is, this is very good. Nothing nothing gets by Cooper. Nope. Nothing, none of this kind of shit gets He's by Cooper. He's seen it all before. Oh, yeah. Uh, the one-armed man struggles with his medicine in the bathroom stall and has a seizure. He talks to Bob and says he is after him now. Uh, Cooper follows a marching band out of the hotel elevator and tells Ben about Audrey's phone call asking if there's any trouble at home. Ben tells Cooper that Audrey has gone missing before and warns him to keep away from Audrey. Uh, an Asian man, by the way, eavesdrops in that conversation and follows Cooper. There was an Asian man in the last episode too, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Around the the time when, yeah. Dining in the dining room. Uh, I like a good Ben and Cooper hang out like a good scene with them too because they're not in a lot of scenes together and i feel like no. like ben this is gonna sound weird but i think ben is like the opposite of cooper like he is like the on the evil side but he's like he's like a cooper where he like knows more than he lets on and like they're both incredibly smart yeah right so, yeah yeah like, it's the, an interesting meeting of the minds ex- yeah that's what, that's how i feel yeah it's it's not exactly like you know Batman and Lex Luthor or Superman and Lex Luthor, I guess, but it's like, it is a little like, um, they, they are mortal enemies and they kind of just don't even know it yet. You know? Right. Um, Audrey exactly. lies on her bed. A man named Jean pulls a veil from her face and gives her wow. a caramel and a shot. A woman stands nearby holding his tools. By the way, this actor, Jean, Jean Renault is played by the fucking amazing, um, uh what's his name michael michael parks do you know do you know michael parks at all do you know his stuff um i remember looking him up he is he's like a uh is he in tusk yes he's the guy in tusk okay there we go yeah he's the old man in Tusk. yeah he's also um in a lot of tarantino stuff robert rodriguez stuff okay yeah he's good very cool um Blackie plays a surveillance. He's in Tusk. Yeah, I know. Uh, he's he's like one of two people in that movie. Uh, Blackie plays a surveillance tape of Cooper at the casino, and Emery informs her that Cooper is in the FBI. Jean Renault stands behind them with the woman, Blackie's sister. Jean says he will be the middleman for Audrey's ransom, so Ben will never know that Blackie and Emery are behind it. In exchange, Emery and Blackie will bring him the man responsible for his brother's death, Agent Cooper, who really, that's not true, right? It's Andy. No, it's The man Leland. responsible for his brother's death. Leland kills Jacques Renault. They think it's Agent Cooper, but Leland did it. 
Or yeah, you, yeah, 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 yeah. It is Leland ultimately. Yeah, yeah. Jean says they cannot let the girl live. Cooper enters Harry's office with coffee and donuts. Harry reports that Josie called, saying she will be back the next day. Harry asks to see her first alone. Jeremy, what? I have to do every time Josie's name comes up and she's <laughs> out of town. I've been like dying. Just get, just humor me for a moment. Sure. Josie's on a vacation far away. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Josie's on a vacation far away. Uh, I love that song. Um, we'll give them something to talk, talk about. about. Okay, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, Hawk reports that he found a boarded up White House by the lake. He's trying to discover whose it is. Harry asks them if they've uh, if they have seen Gerard, the one armed man, as he never came back from the bathroom. <laughs> Cooper searches the bathroom and finds Gerard's uh, needle and medicine without chemicals. He points. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cooper says uh, uh, wants to find the one armed man. Great. Um, the hospital orderly cuffs Nadine to her bed. Doctor Hayward tells Big Ed that she ripped through the two pairs of leather restraints the previous night and that her adrenaline levels are high. He tells Ed to go talk or sing to her. As Ed sings, Nadine grips uh, his hands, sits up, and snaps the cuffs. She claps uh, spasmodically, yeah, spasmodically, and chants a cheer. She begins talking to Ed, seeming to think she is 18 and about to try out for a cheerleading squad. Yeah. Man, this plot this, line sucks. <laughs> it's, it sucks ass. It's a bummer yeah. when it comes up. I'm like, fuck. It does like lit- like genuinely kill the mem- momentum for me. Yeah, it, it is like, it is a, it, again, a bridge too far. Fuck. Yeah. It's just bad. It's like, it's like, it's like, yeah. this is a plot line that should be in the show like King of Queens or something. <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, Okay, Cooper and Harry enter Jacoby's room in the hospital. His wife, a young Hawaiian woman, rubs his feet. Cooper helps to hypnotize Jacoby, and he uh, and he walks him through Jacques' murder. Jacoby says he knows the murderer. Cut to Donna brings the orchid to Laura's grave and tells Laura about her new relationship with James. She says that she loves James, but it is a mess and that Laura's problems are still the center of her life. I love this scene. What do you think of it, Eric? Her screaming at the grave. Oh, it's great. It's 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 like your uh, fucking. What does she say? She has one really great line. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuck. It's I like they didn't bury you f- deep enough. Yeah, it's or like something. they didn't yeah. bury you deep enough. Yeah, so good. It's great. Donna brings the. Uh, oh, sorry. James visits Madeline to say that he cannot find Donna, and that his mother came home. They almost kiss, and then they hold each other. Uh, very, again, James. You're really pushing it here, pal. Uh, Donna <laughs> finds them and suddenly leaves with James chasing her out. I love James's reaction when he runs out to the street. He's like, he's like, Donna! And then he just goes like, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This he, guy, man. He's such a baby. It's it's embarrassing. He's um, also like, just is like knowing like, te- like he's like 18 or something, right? Like he's sure. just is... All of his emotions are just because he's like just really horny. <laughs> yeah, he's horny and he's emotional about it. Yeah. Um yeah. bad combo. <laughs> bad combo. Uh Leland comforts Maddie, who's upset that people think uh she is like Laura. Which by the way, this is another really great scene. Um 
of Leland, uh, like I, the acting is just spectacular here. Mm-hmm. And the picture, the stage picture of it is very interesting because Madeline, of course, is the actress who plays Laura Palmer. Um, it very much looks like Leland is holding his own daughter in this moment. And, mm. uh, you know, I would call that like a meta. I, I think it's a very meta thing that's going on where, you know, even though we know that that's not really Laura Palmer, the character of Laura Palmer, it is the actress who plays Laura Palmer with the dad of Laura Palmer. You know, I don't know. I, I found this to be a very like thoughtful, thought provoking scene that is yeah. quickly yeah. interrupted by Cooper and Harry who uh, arrest Leland for the murder of Jacques Renault. Mm-hmm. Harold answers a knock at his door. Donna tells Harold that she's tired of being patient with James. Harold comforts her, leaves to get her a drink. Donna strokes a flower and opens an, and opens a notebook, the diary of Laura Palmer. Jesus Christ. Harold, you dog. <laughs> you sick fuck. You sick uh, fuck. Yeah. And so that is three episodes of Twin Peaks, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. Um, you know, next next week, next week we'll be doing uh, the th- next three episodes. So episodes 11 through 12 uh, or uh, season two, episodes four through six. I got the, ne- the very next episode after this, Jeremy, is I believe like known as one of the worst <laughs> Twin Peaks episodes. Oh, but yeah. it has a very fun story behind it. Great. Uh, I can't wait. Do you know who Jerry Stahl is? Oh yeah, Jerry Stahl. Okay. Wait, yeah. Who yeah. Oh yeah. Um yeah, well 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 that's a little teaser for you. It's 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 interesting. Uh and uh Jeremy, wait, you got anything you wanna I guess how are you feeling right now, by the way, about re- jumping into season two? Are you like feeling good right now? Are you uh are you are you locked into the story or or what, what, what's oh hell going yeah on? absolutely yeah okay. this is great. great yeah this is amazing I am um, I'm so psyched to be to be a part of uh, to be back back in Twin Peaks with my boy uh, walking around these streets you know uh, checking out Leland over Ooh. there maybe a little Audrey over there Norma's Ooh. over there yeah it's a good time I'm 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 excited to get through season two and into um, ultimately the return, which is I probably what I'm most excited wait. about. Cannot uh, wait. So yeah, this is, and, and, and you know, I am dreading the, the middle to end of this season yep. because yep. it is a slog and Billy Zane's we'll in it. <laughs> I will say the end, I will say the end I think is fantastic. I yeah. will say there is, there is gold at the end of the rainbow. Um, and right. also I will say that like some of the bad stuff isn't that it's, it's like entertaining. It's, it's, it's an interesting, it's interesting. Um, hmm. so we, uh, so yeah. So, uh, and if you've been watching the show for the first time, or if you're doing a rewatch with us, tweet at us at Chuck, your rules for 20. We'll love to hear how you're, how you're enjoying the show. And, oh Yeah. Uh, of course, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy for a bunch of bonus episodes. We, we'll do anything you want us to do over there. It's it's a good time. Yeah. And, and please, uh, if you're listening to this show, you might, you might and you also like video games, you might like a little show called uh, Video Games a Comedy Show on, yes. on, on uh, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else podcasts can be found. 
It is a uh, round table show that I host with a bunch of comedians. We talk about video games, different themes, stuff like that. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. When, when's the Glover episode coming out? By oh, the way? baby. Yeah, we should, that should be that we should do a crossover episode where like <laughs> we, we find a way for you to have to play Glover and then we'll <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, I'm willing to do that. Uh, okay, folks. Uh, thank you for listening. And Norma, I'll see you in my dreams. Ooh. Good stuff, my man. 